Hello, this is Samuel Hansen, and you are listening to Combinations and Permutations, Episode 11. On this week's episode, we discuss goats, Keith Devlin, Euros, and why we all really need a Klein bottle. Here it goes. Hello and welcome to Combinations and Permutations, the podcast that comes to you from UNLV CDC Building 7's mailroom. And with me today, we have two esteemed, well, not esteemed, Let's just be completely clear. They're the only people who would be we're, here with we're me. We're here. That's the important yeah, thing. Yeah, they're here. It's the <laughs> last day before spring break starts. I really couldn't convince anyone else to anyone else to come. Everybody's leaving. And so I'm stuck with these two. So uh yeah, moving on. Yeah, moving moving <laughs> on. Uh we got we got the voice that you heard, the man who I'm not even I'm not even gonna mention that trope. Anthony Solari. So what was it? I was drinking Dr. Manhattan piss during the making of this webcast. So I'm, I may. Okay. There's so many things wrong with that statement. I'm not even going to go along with it. And it's just wrong. And the wonderful, inimitable, and still the only minority, Christopher Bates. I'm back. Yes. Yeah, that's right. You weren't, you weren't with us last week. And so I have not been nice enough to inform our, our, my colleagues this week about what we're going to be talking about, but I'm going to give them a hint with my introduction. I'm not going to not going to directly spell out what the thing is, but instead I'm going to say, so you have picked a door and behind that door, there could be a car, but there still are two other doors. Now I'm going to open this one other door and behind this door, there's a, there's a goat. There's a goat behind this door. So now you only have two doors. Would you like to change your decision? Before we reveal what is behind the door that you have chosen. Did we reveal the one with the goat in it? Yeah. I mean, did I choose that one in the beginning or was that one? No, 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 no. A different one. Oh, because I might like the goat. I I want the goat too. Yeah, I I keep thinking, why do people not choose the goat? It's like, I'd much rather have a goat than a car. Have you ever had goat? Yeah, I've had a goat, actually. goat, Goat is actually the most eaten food. Most eaten meat on the planet. I just found this out yesterday from the Twitter. Yeah, in, in Greece, for example, I went to Greece, for example, and um, well, they eat a huge amount of goat over in Greece. Yeah, you can't. There's not enough. There's not enough land to feed cattle with. And so, just saying, they, they're feeding cattle goat. No, they that's don't. what you just said. There's not enough lamb to feed the cattle. Land, land, land. land. Duh. Oh, dude. <laughs> well, goats will eat anything, including lamb. <laughs> That's true. The quality of the cheese and the meat depends greatly upon what the goat's been eating recently. Well, that's true with any sort of with yeah. any sort of meat. It's going to be directly yeah. influenced by the quality of the food that they've been eating. I mean, corn-fed beef tastes dramatically different and much worse than grass-fed beef. Yeah, but goats eat a lot of stuff. Well, yeah, they, they <laughs> eat, they, what do they taste like when they've eaten a lot of soda cans? 
I haven't had one with soda cans. <laughs> I have had cheese from one that ate garbage, and that was, you could... Was it Limburger? Because honestly, I don't think I could tell the difference. Yeah, it was a little bit like just pouring some cheese on the nearby garbage heap. Okay. Well, <laughs> so for anybody, or for pretty much everybody who wasn't entirely sure what I was just going on about, <laughs> I'm referring, of course, to the Monty Hall problem, which is a probability uh, puzzle based on the uh, television show Let's Make a Deal, which was hosted by the fantastic and amazing Monty Hall. Monty Hall was just great, but it has nothing to do with the actual math. And it's uh, and it's referred to as a Monty Hall problem because in Let's Make a Deal, there's three doors. There's a prize behind one door. Now, I don't think it was always... I, it's been forever since I've seen an episode of Let's Make a Deal, but I don't think he always revealed what's behind one of the other doors. It was only if you got something, like some series of questions correct, like you could find out yeah, what was behind was some... another door but i mean it was never the prize you could reveal one that wasn't yeah. the prize and so the probability puzzle the question behind it is say you choose one of these doors i mean you have a one-third probability from the get-go provided that you don't have any sort of predilection for choosing one of the other numbers so with a completely random choice you have a one-third probability of getting the car on your first choice and so then if you reveal one of the other two doors, but you reveal one where the car is not behind, should you, from a probabilistic standpoint, switch which door you chose to the other door? Now, initially you think, well, why would I? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to change. I mean, the other door sells a one-third probability. But if you look at it from a probability standpoint, you actually have a two-thirds probability of getting the car if you do switch your place because in in the beginning you have a one-third chance of getting the car so now eliminate one other door now you know that in your first in that first time that you chose something you have you have two-thirds of a chance of getting a goat because that for some other reason is always goats behind the other doors so you you have one-third chance of getting the goat so that means that two out of three times the car will be one of the other two doors so it's really only a one-third chance in losing. The other two-thirds of the time you get a goat and you get to walk away. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So actually you wouldn't want to switch because you probably want the goat. No. Okay. Let's <laughs> let's continue okay. the actual math content here. Okay. And so two out of the other three times, there will be a car behind one of the other doors. And now the other door that's not a car, those two out of three times, is going to be a goat, which is going to get revealed to you. So if you switch two out of every three times, you will win the car and only one third of the time you will lose it. Actually, originally when that was, I was reading that on Wikipedia too. Originally when it was uh, published, there was a whole bunch of, I mean, there was a lot of um, thousands of mathematicians that didn't yeah, believe th this. There was, there was a whole bunch of people, but there was also a thousand PhDs who uh, wrote into the newspaper article. And that's how it came to be such a big problem is. Originally, it was just a small little mathematical problem, but just a little puzzle. It was yeah. just a little puzzle, and then a thousand PhDs wrote in to say, "No, you're wrong." Well, it's it's actually completely equivalent to the earlier problem that Martin Gardner, Martin, the uh, the yeah, incredibly yeah. famous and amazing Martin math Gardner, problem. Right. the guy who always put the math problems in, was is it Nature? Yeah, I think it was Nature. Yeah, it maybe. was in Nature. He had the math the math uh, thing in in nature and he originally posed something called the three prisoners problem mathematical games no it's in scientific american but he posted it in 1959 yeah, I know he did. okay i know he did scientific american 
Yeah, and so there are three prisoners scheduled to be executed, A, B, and C, although one is going to be pardoned. A asked the warden to tell him the name of one of the others who will be executed. As the question is not directly about A's fate, the warden obliges, secretly flipping a coin to decide if to give A, uh, decide which name to give A if A is the one being pardoned. Assuming the warden's truthfulness, there are now only two possibilities for who will be pardoned. A and whichever B or C the warden did not name. Did A gain any information about his own fate? That it that is, does he change his estimate of the chances he will be pardoned? To make the analogy uh, more explicit, if the warden says B will be executed and A could switch fates with C, should he? And so that's the direct uh, analogy with the, mm. the problem. And this one was posed obviously before the Monty Hall problem because uh, Mon the Monty Hall problem was much later. I can't remember when it was originally 70s, published. Well, 70s was when it was... Yeah, it was, was 70, was 75. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, the probability behind this is, I mean, it's quite interesting because you wouldn't think they'd make a difference. And you would also think that uh, once you eliminate the other door, you th would then have a 50-50 chance. That's what comes naturally to most people. You think about it, you're like, wow, I'd, I'd have a 50-50 chance. So it wouldn't make any sense to switch because this chance is as good as the other one. But no, it turns out that you actually have a two-thirds chance of winning if you switch. And part of that's based upon the fact that he didn't choose the door randomly. He, yeah. cho he, chose, he chose knowing that he would not choose the one that you want. Yep. And so, in, in fact, this working depends upon the guy having information. And well, yeah, there, there has, the, pers the door that's revealed, I mean, in this problem has to be the one that, that is not the winning door. That, yeah, that's the key to the whole thing. Because if he chose randomly and he just, it just happened to be the one where the prize wasn't in, then you wouldn't have any information. Well, yeah. But what, if you choose knowing. What if we were to take this to an extreme, just to make it even, I guess, clearer? What if there were a million doors and there was one car behind one of the doors and the rest of the were doors a huge had amount of goats? Yeah, nine, <laughs> yeah, a ton of goats. 999,999 goats. That's Dude, a lot of shoveling. That and one car, I could sell those goats and make <laughs> You still only get one. Oh, man. So Maybe I can breed more goats. So no, right. you still only get one. <laughs> goats do not breed asexually. Hey, well, all right. They're not frogs or amoebas. You think yeah. it's like mitosis? Like, like, ooh, here's my goat. Oh, just saying, my goat's going through mitosis. It's splitting. Well, it's like it's amoeba. Splitting. It eats everything it sees. I thought maybe that's the way it... Maybe no, not. it's, maybe it's it not. That, not is not, that is not the way that oh, it works. I was... Was, you're, was, you're wrong. Here I was picturing a two-headed goat in the middle of splitting while eating his garbage. But okay, that, that's a fantastic image. <laughs> but I'm sorry, it's wrong. It's okay. We go on. So we've got these goats, bunch of goats behind these other doors. And man, I would not want to be in that room. It would smell so bad. Nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine goats, all being goats. Ugh. So you know, the, you ask Monty. You know, I think it's behind this door, and so Monty reveals. Goats behind every single other door, except one door. Well, actually, two doors. One of those doors has the car behind it, and one door you don't. You, well, you you would have. You, uh, it's you, like ninety nine to one. Yeah, you you would definitely switch. There's no yeah. doubt that you would switch because you had a one in one million chance. Oh, is that no? I thought it was hundred. No, no, one in one million chance. Okay. And then after he reveals that, you now have 
that other door is like what a 999,999 in, yeah. in a million chance of being the car. A in the car yeah. I thought you were just going to say he reveals one other door. Oh, no. Like, and then, like, uh, yeah, switching. Yeah, it's that's still <laughs> twice as probable as all the other ones, but yeah, this you know, um, you would still it would still make sense to switch. Yeah, even if he only reveals one door. Yeah, because it's still do- it would still double. Your yep, chance. it would still double your chance. But no, you're talking about <laughs> multiplying your chance by some enormous number. Of course, you switch, or you say, Monty, I'll take all the goats, and then you go to Greece, <laughs> and then you and you Greece, sell them all, and, dude, and you buy a lot of cars. Marble, oh, oh really? I was gonna buy a marble mansion. Marble goes cheap there. <laughs> you could you could buy a huge amount of cars and probably like ten marble mansions if you have a million goats to sell. You buy yeah. marble goats. Mar- oh yeah, and I could put them out. I, I I would rather a marble car. <laughs> well, so long as it doesn't run, I don't mind it. <laughs> no, no, no. This is a fully working marble car. The working engine and marble. everything is made of marble with a step reckoner engine in there. God. <laughs> We need to stop calling so, that back, people. People are going to get so tired of the well, stepped reckoner. I was already tired of it. I was expecting a groan rather than a laugh. You know, that's got to be <laughs> the Lexus. Chris is going to laugh. Chris laughs at everything. <laughs> you know, that's got to be the Lexus of the Flintstone universe. Yeah. Uh, hey, Barney, I just got this marble car. I got the car. marble car. <laughs> With the anti-lock heels. <laughs> Wilma. Wilma. <laughs> Oh man, you gotta be kidding me! Get Dino out of my marble car. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if it would roll as much as slide. Mar- <laughs> Marble's really smooth. Well, I'm not... no, I'm not on the wheels. You, I'm, the wheels are still made of marble, but and you know, marble does have a very You're low friction put... coefficient. I'm gonna put little marble studs. Oh, there you go. Yes, I, I know what I'm doing. So I'm thinking marble on marble. You'd be peeling out for like 20 minutes before you start going. <laughs> marble on marble. <laughs> yeah. 20 minutes out. I, I you'd probably burn through <laughs> yeah, the you marble might burn first. Your tires first. Well, I mean, this is marble. Yeah. I mean, you're burning through the marble. Okay. You know? Do you know a famous mathematician who actually did not get this right at first? He's a very, very important guy. It's a guy that we know. We've talked about on this. This. We've talked about John Nash. No, oh, no, no, I don't know about Nash. Yeah, John Nash, John Nash, we're very sorry. We know we know that you listen to us on a very regular basis. And even though we did make fun of that movie about your life, it had nothing to do with you, man. You're you're awesome. Keep listening. Send us an email, John. Combinations and permutations at gmail.com. I remember mentioning him. I don't maybe <laughs> I wasn't here when we made fun of him. No, no, it wasn't John Nash. We're not talking oh. about John Nash. He of movie. course, he of like, course like got this right. Yeah. Well, me and me and Jeff. Oh, I yeah. loved it. Okay, so so who is it? Very, very important guy. Guy we've talked about a lot. Newton? In a, in a, in a, in a DeLorean? <laughs> there wasn't even probability back then. Probability wasn't even invented uh, until... Yeah, it was 300 years before his time, I think. <laughs> no, 300 years, that would put in the 1900s. No, it was uh, what, Fermat Pascal were the ones who essentially invented modern probability. Well, I'm uh, saying Newton was, what was he, 1600s? Yeah, 1600s, but Fermat Pascal, that's... That's he's yeah he's seventeen yeah so a hundred years before yeah. Newton's time no and it, there's this fantastic podcast called uh, the Marketplace of Ideas it's also mm-hmm. a, a public radio show hosted by a guy named uh, Colin Marshall he has another he has a book club podcast called Barely Literate which I've been on actually that episode will be coming out I'll put a link up on the blog when that episode comes out it's about a man in the high castle but he was interviewing a guy named Keith Devlin. Also known as the math guy on NPR. Uh, he, he leases something every month for NPR. Has since mm. 95. 
incredibly famous professor has done a lot of work and he recently released a book about the beginning of probability and the beginning of probability yeah, was actually about about letters between Fermat Pascal that essentially developed probability theory that's mm -hmm. how it started it was just they were writing back and forth about about um, the problem the problem was um, say you say you're playing best out of five on a coin flip and after three flips, one person is ahead. After three flips, one person is ahead. Say player A is ahead of player B. Player A has two. Player B only has one. And after this, you have to stop the game. And there's money that's been put on this game. So you have to figure out how to properly split up that money. And that was the problem that they were going back and forth talking about. And at, the, at that point of time, they okay. actually... They actually thought well you have to split it up evenly because the the flips that went before have no effect on what happens after so it's a 50 50 chance of the next person winning which it, it, i mean it's impossible for us to picture that that thought process because it's obviously wrong i mean it's really ridiculously obviously wrong i mean and, it'd be the expected but not yeah and and not the probable and the truth the truth of the of the matter is is that player a uh at that situation you then have uh what two more coin flips two more coin flips and uh player a will uh get winning situations three out of the four possibilities either he'll win the first flip and not win the second he'll win the second but not the first or he'll win both and the only way the other player can win is by winning both of the coin flips. So three quarters of the time, player A would win. So he should get three quarters of the money. Say there was $4 put down. He should get $3. The other person should get $1 if you have to stop the game at that point. Well, one... Oh, after two more flips. Yeah. Yeah, and because... and But the, the issue with... The issue that... Uh, I can't remember. I think it was Fermat. Because I think Pascal, if Fermat wrote the original one... But it wasn't quite right. And then Pascal responded with, I'm thinking I'm getting this right. I might have this wrong, but I believe that this is right from what I can remember. Uh, is that Pascal saw something very important. It, it, and the thing that flummoxed mathematicians actually for like a good 50 years after it. In that you don't play, uh, you don't play these probability games in the same way that you would play them in the real world. You have to play them in this probability world. Because at first, people were willing to accept, okay, well, the other person would be more likely to win. He'd either win the first flip or the second flip. And so that's two-thirds because the other person has to win both. So mm -hmm. those are the three situations. So you'd win two-thirds of the time. And that is a very natural thing because in the real world, if you're playing this game and you flip once and you win at that time, that's three wins. You stop the game. But the trick was to see in this probability world that there's also another game where you flip you have to do both flips for every single time if you're dealing in probabilities what was that let's repeat that last if you're doing probabilities and you're doing best out of five mm -hmm. you have to do all five flips every single time even if one player wins the first three. Oh, in order to in order to properly find probabilities mm. and that that was the thing that a lot of people just could not wrap their heads around 
I, I think that's absolutely fascinating. But the well, person... Even, even nowadays, that you can't really prove a lot of these things. What they do is, often enough, they'll just do experiments to prove that their mathematics is reasonable toward it. Yeah, but it's I mean, like, you, can, you can prove probabilities. But I mean, what, given, are, what are you talking about? Given your initial assumptions, but what I'm saying is, how do you know to set up a probability one way and not another? Oh, yeah, but no, no, I'm saying given a definite probability. Oh, yeah. And if you're given a probability and you and you're told for sure you're working in a world where that probability is true yeah and probabilities mean the things that they do in the math world yeah, yeah. math math probabilities yeah huh? but we're, we still you guys have not guessed it's a guy that we talked about a lot initially got this problem wrong who else have we talked about famous guy incredibly famous modern contemporary mathematician I can think of a few. I just can't think of any we talked about. Did it involve medium? Yes. No. 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 no just Erdo? Say, yeah, Erdosh. Oh, Erdosh. Oh. Erdosh. Of course, I never, Erdosh. I can never figure out how to say his name. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, according according really? according to the Wikipedia, the... an account of Paul Erdosh's first encounter of the problem can be found in the book that was about him, the man who loved only numbers. Like many others, he initially got it wrong. When this was first, uh, it, this was also, this problem, the Monty Hall problem, was also shown on an episode of Numbers. Hmm. And on that as well, when it first came up, I initially got it wrong. That's not something that comes naturally to realize that you should switch. Yeah. Because it really, it's so natural to think 50-50 right there. In, in terms of... In terms of proving this, I mean, are we using a conditional probability? For uh, there's multiple proofs. Time? One of them will use conditional probability. Yeah. Well, but for me, the ultimate proof was that it actually worked. I just want to get on the show. Yeah, you know, you do an experiment. Dude, it doesn't do exist it anymore. Well, I want a time machine. Yeah, so I get, get your time show. machine, go back, get your goats, come back here, start breeding. You're all set. Okay, so <laughs> if behind these three doors we have Anthony is an idiot, Chris <laughs> is an idiot, and a time machine, what is the probability that if after you choose the first door... And I reveal, the, reveal that Anthony is an idiot. Should you switch in order to get a higher probability to get the time machine? Well, if I'm an idiot, if I'm an idiot, so I'm going to stay with I'm the same door. No, 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 no. no. Hey, 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 hey. Don't interrupt. Just okay. give me a yes or no answer. Do you switch? No, I don't. It doesn't fucking matter because there's no such fucking thing as a time machine. I was about to say that that means that I, given that I'm an idiot, there's a one third chance probability that you're an idiot. Yeah. I didn't know that we, were, we were that much interrelated over here. No, you're both idiots. That's <laughs> kind oh, of my both point. Idiots, right? So we're both idiots, and you, you can't a time you machine. can't try time travel back in time because if you guys weren't Wormholes. idiots, you'd realize that the Monty Hall problem you can't do because Monty Hall's let's make a deal has been canceled. But you would have been smart enough to realize that the Univision version of Let's Make a Deal is still running. Oh, there uh, we go. So now we can get on that. One. So, uh, que hablo es... Uh, oh, my God. I can't... <laughs> I can't... Espanol? I can't... Yeah, espanol. Yeah, <laughs> I could not remember how to say Spanish in Spanish. Oh, yeah. I almost said que hablo inglés, which made no <laughs> sense. <laughs> like, can you speak English? Yeah, que means what? So Yeah. To sabe... Yeah, it, yeah, but it's just hablo, uh, hablo, hablo, oh, español, yeah, hablo, hablo español. Sí, un poquito. 
really. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can yeah. people who don't know. Puerto <laughs> numero dos. Por favor. Yo quiero un hamburguesa con queso. That's about all I know. I want a cheeseburger. <laughs> wow, that that one's that's that's a useful thing. Well, hey, that's the I went to Costa Rica and that was the only thing I ever said the whole time. So you you didn't speak in any other language either. And you ate nothing okay, but and you ate nothing Spanish, but hamburgers. But I pretty much ate nothing. Hamburgers and cheese. Nothing but cheeseburgers. You you yeah. didn't you couldn't ask like uh, I could I didn't uh, want a, to. A, That's uh, all I needed. Uh, Quisiera uh, erosi frijoles. You know, I, could, uh, I could rice and beans, man. Rice and beans, but I'd much rather have a cheeseburger. Burritos. Uh, enchilada, gordita, topologically they're the same. Jimmy, as a yeah, 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 yeah. Jimmy I mean, Changa. A hamburger, all you do is you dent it in the middle, you bend it up, and you put a lot of beef in there, and it's topologically the same thing. Yeah. No, it is not because with a hamburger if, if you, you have buns that are not connected. You have the outer part is not connected, and then you have the inner part. Whereas on a taco, the com- outer part is completely connected. So topologically, yeah, they are unless, not the same. Yeah. Okay. So a gyro mm-hmm. and a taco, topologically the same. What Provide that you're using steak. A gyro or a taco? Oh, man, no question. Gyro all day long. I love shaved lamb. Mm. Um, it's... <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't even think of that until you started cracking. Up. Like well, I mean, it means it, it could mean car either. It means it means Goats so many lambs. different things. One, it could mean that somebody's is roasting a leg of lamb on a spit and they're shaving lamb off. Two, it could mean what you dirty bastards just thought of. Or three, it could literally mean that I just like the wool and making it into sweaters. Yeah. What was I think? What do I think there is? I can't remember right now. There's called something else in England. What? What is it like? I know. Oh, shaved beef, and then you put it in a little piece of bread. Oh, I actually knew this. I should know this. This is going to bother me. So talk amongst yourselves while yeah, I this figure is it out. Bother me for like ten minutes. Well, I got an idea, though. I mean, is there? Here's an idea. We could do a mashup of mm-hmm. like uh, many of the hero restaurants. You know, the Greek cuisine hero. and 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 taco restaurants. It's hero, hero. Yeah, but that's what I was talking about. The hero. Yeah, I so, didn't hear the. Huh. Well, so we'll have a, a we'll have a restaurant called Hero Bell, uh-huh. and it'll have you know it'll have heroes and it'll also have tacos. Mm. Uh, no, let's not let's not pervert my Greek. love of good Greek, Greek, Greek lamb Greek. inside of a pita. <laughs> we have we have the we'll get the lock on uh you know, homeomorphism uh, uh, class of uh, hummus, meat inside uh, one piece of bread. Hummus, uh, cheeseburgers, and a little corn. <laughs> Corn shell. Actually, <laughs> have you guys ever taken hummus and put it on a cheeseburger? No. You should because it really? is amazing. Yes. Yeah, What's hummus? Hummus. Okay. hummus uh, chickpeas. It's it's essentially processed chickpeas it's with really a little good. bit of tahini, a little bit of oil. It's it's amazingly is that legal? fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good. I, uh, I didn't know it going. Uh, it goes it goes well on. On pretty much anything. When is this turned into the food podcast where we just talk about random foods that we like? And their homeomorphism classes. Yeah, no, okay. As long as we talk about classes. their homeomorphism exactly. classes. We were talking about the topology of foods. Yeah, okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so this is and so we so is... so far we've done hamburgers, kiros, tacos, and donuts. Let's not forget we've already done topological classes of donuts. Uh, so let's think of that uh, sounds too easy. Well, then yeah, again, it's a Taurus. Of course. Well, then again, I guess a flat 
piece of thing is <laughs> even simpler than a yeah it's a plane i believe <laughs> it's isomorphic to a, or homeomorphic to a circle so i guess yeah yeah it is especially since you know if you look at a pita it is a circle yeah that's we have to, we can try some. So what? Know, what other? Yeah, we need we need some Klein Klein, Klein, Klein bottle. I've Klein always bottle. I've always I've always wanted an actual Klein bottle. I, I just I've want seen, one. Yeah, I've seen people who've tried to do it. And obviously, can't do it in three dimensions, but they've tried representationing like glass. Oh, there 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 are there are things that are essentially Klein bottles. I mean, they're not actually, but yeah, they look like Klein. They, bottles. they look like Klein bottles. They're not allowed to go through themselves. But yeah, I mean that that's kind of a hard thing to do. Yeah, and I've seen them craft. But yeah, I mean, yeah. actually, I've seen people make it in class and like bring it to school to show us. Yeah, and that, that's cool. I I don't I don't know. They probably have a dual purpose though. <laughs> the bong Klein bottle, but you can't really hold your bong water in those things. It comes right back out. Of you. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. So wait, how, I I didn't try it. Just yeah. How would, how would you make a Klein bottle though? Like a if you Klein were making bottle? it out of a piece of paper, you know, up until it runs into itself, how would you describe that construction? Well, it's. I mean, the ones I've seen kind of look it's like got a twist kind of look like a torus with a, a torus, but with an opening. I think those are the ones I've seen. Torus with an opening. Yeah, it's kind of a loop, and then guys, okay, so I've done it where you have the piece of paper, and then you um, you connect the edges of the paper, and basically there's a twist in there, and then yeah. you connect well, that, it. Yeah, but that's a Mobius strip. Yeah, it's a Mobius strip, but in three dimensions oh yeah. but then you connect the free edge yeah yeah one edge but uh basically that's yeah so so you can travel the whole thing without uh, you can travel among uh, uh, on the whole surface yeah without ever having to leave and go over top hmm. okay any other like interesting probability problems other interesting probability problems well, actually, we did have the one, um, and I, I think we may have discussed this a few casts ago. It might have even been the first cast, but the question of um, unmeasurable sets. Uh, so if, yeah. we have a, if we have a sample space, a probability space, mm -hmm. there exist sets, events, that have no measure. I'm sorry, they're unmeasurable. It's not that they have zero measure. It's that Usually are, in the sense that they're not countably subadditive or something like that. But these are still subsets of our probability of our, of our yeah. sample space yeah. so these are events whose probability we can't compute consistently yeah but but they're events nonetheless but yeah so I mean, is there a i don't know a physical analog of this perhaps in quantum mechanics uh, how does this I, have anything to do with probability quantum mechanics all probability no, that's true yeah so uh, yeah i guess we can spin off into that well, I was. Um, it, it depends. You may not have an infinite number of states in order for there to be uncountable. You know, if there's only a finite number of states, then there's only a finite number of subsets, and so it's automatically going to be countably subadditive. So you'd have to have an infinite number of states in order for this to even be a problem. Oh, that one's solved. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I mean, what about? I but mean, I you're you're that our resident. Answer for me. You, you too, actually, I mean, this is perfect for both of you. You're both our resident uh, geeking out about physics people. Uh, one, I We're mean, the geeks of the math department. Right? That's... <laughs> it gets, it gets no, no, I said geeking out about physics. I, uh, okay. I, got, I got my own geeking out areas. It's just... I'm not a geek. I'm the king of the nerds. We have to... <laughs> no, no, no. You geek out about physics, which is totally fine. 
we're totally we're totally we're totally fine about that chris does too and so i mean what about the what about the use of probability in quantum mechanics i've always i've always been kind of blurry on how that actually happens i realize that you use probability in quantum mechanics to define well i mean to show when you talk about is something a wave is it a particle at any given point in time you have a probability that it's either and the probability that the cat is dead is we don't know yeah and then yeah basically what you're, you're always talking about things in terms of wave functions and these wave functions are actually probabilities so in order to get the probability, you multiply the wave function by itself, take the absolute, it times its conjugate, actually, and that's the probability squared. Not that that's important. And anyway, you're always talking about these probabilities up until the point where you observe or observe something. And that somehow magically... Pops it out of this indeterminate state and... Pops it out of this pro- magical probability state and makes it be something. Did Heisenberg ever clear up why that happens? No. And the Copenhagen interpretation, which is pretty much the standard interpretation now, says that, I mean, there's a lot of people who think that it's iffy, but for all that we can tell, that's actually the way things are. Like, I mean, any it, given it, point. It's, it's like, actually a funky wave and until you observe until, it. Until you look at it. But, I mean, how does the probability fall in there? I mean, like, how, I mean, what do quantum mechanists mechanists yeah quantum like physicists we're obviously on, we're working but... on quantum cars <laughs> yeah exactly quantum <laughs> mechanics uh-huh whereas I like it. the people I like it. that's what i think of it. mechanists <laughs> and uh i mean how like how do they actually use the probability and what they do well you're like i say you're always talking about you're always talking about the uh, probability of a wave function and so the probability function is actually completely deterministic if you know what the probability was five minutes ago you can you can always tell me what the probability is today if you're okay five minutes you know right now if you have you can say it. what it's going to be in five years and you can say what it's going to be in five years but as soon as you observe it that crashes your wave function down to a particular but I'm, I'm still I'm still thing. unclear how did they get the probability functions like where do they how do they get these probabilities oh uh, where do they get it um, dollar store dollar store yeah I was Pascal lent them some times are hard. they had times are hard, man. <laughs> They had to go. No, basically, what it was is, um, let's see. This started off with they had a black body paradox. They had in classical mechanics. If you're looking at this black body and you're looking at the, you're dying over there. Anyway, you're looking at the temperature of this black body. Their classical mechanics said that the temperature should go in a certain way, or the radiation that comes out of this black box should go in a certain way with the temperature. And one person predicted, at low temperatures, they pretty much got it right. At high temperatures, their scale just went completely off the scale. And then another person did it, and their temperatures were pretty much right at the high end of the temperature. The the electromagnetic, you know, the light that came out of this black box. They pretty much got it right, but when they got went to low temperatures, theirs went off the scale too. And actually, this prob- this whole quantum mechanics probability thing is, they couldn't figure out why this should be. And so they said, let me just fit a line to these funny points that come out and say, this is what the physics is. The, the physics is a connect the dots. Physics, physics as connect the dots. This, physics is connect the dots. Quantum mechanics is... Quantum mechanics is bullshit. 
There you go. It was just <laughs> we we had a bunch of stuff. We connected the dots, and we say that must be the way the physics works. It's a, it sounds like a very successful model, mm -hmm. uh, but it's all it is. It's just a model, and you know if there's some phenomena that come about once they get the LHC online or whatever, you know, some random observation or experiment that says, oh, there's some more interesting phenomena in the universe, we might have to tinker with or you know adjust our theory but until then yeah. this one works pretty well i'm figuring a theory any theory of quantum right now they've proved that there is no um what they have is they had bell's inequality they proved that there if a particle let's see if all information or change of events is caused by a chain a point particle then there is no like point information traveling less than the speed of light that determines the outcome of a particular a particular event. So if you observe it and the information is going less than the speed of light, it can't have determined this thing. And somebody recently, I don't know if you got a prize, but this is like 2000 something, proved that also no particle traveling faster than the speed of light, as far as information goes, could have determined the outcome of it. And so now, in order for quantum mechanics not to be true, you have to be looking at more globalized, more globalized information variables. Well, I mean, there's there's it's an important the variable theory. It's I mean, there's an important idea in there as well, in that we believe that the local thing, the things that we can observe locally, and by locally I mean I I still mean you know, light years. I mean, the, the amount of stuff that we can observe locally, because mm -hmm. I mean, there's things out there that we can't observe. We, it, we do not have the ability to observe at this point in time. And the idea of quantum mechanics, the idea of our physics models, very important that we believe that we are able to generalize those models onto the rest of the universe. What happens if the local things that we can see, the things that we can observe and that, uh, that we use or to check our model against what happens if those things don't actually uh, expand onto the rest of the universe yeah there were some people that were hypothesizing that you can have multiple universes connected but each locally had its own set of yeah physics, own set of physics own set of physics so. when I, I I can see that yeah I'm, I mean it's I put the probability of that at I don't know hmm it's a very important probability. But, Most things in the world are at that probability. But the other thing is if, if it's a more global variable, then what you, you can't... Normally what physicists are thinking of doing is they cut off everything outside of a little box. You know, when, they're, when you're looking at whether an electron is spin up or spin down, you don't have to care at the same time what your grandmother is eating three states away. Well, of course they want, you do. They want to cut that outside. Spooky, the, spooky principle. Everything's spooky connected. Well, exactly. If the, if there's a global variable involved, now you have to worry about kind of everything in the oh, entire man. universe so, affecting so that, your one little So thing. that one butterfly yeah, so your actually grandma, did kill the Nazis? Yeah. I mean, your grandmother what? eating note meal that set off a nuclear I, that bomb. That didn't even make sense. <laughs> kill the Nazis. Yeah. That, the Nazis didn't okay, really kill, I, meant, I meant kill the Jews. Well, I was thinking but, you were in an alternate universe. Where yeah, the where the where the where the Jews who made a genocide against the Nazis. <laughs> yeah, you know that's that's a universe I can get behind. <laughs> that, I thought that's the one you were in. I was. Yo, just, man, that I, would be I a thought, fantastic universe. I thought that was entirely consistent. I didn't even see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that that was the reason that uh, that the Nazis lost. How about that? So oh, the yeah. butterfly caused the Nazis to lose. So thank you, butterfly. Very sorry oh. that I probably hit you with my car. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, that the fact that your grandmother ate oatmeal 30 years ago 
actually affected the probability of the neutrons decaying in the atomic warheads that we let off in Hiroshima. But and therefore, but how, the bomb no, no, went no, off. no, no, no. That that doesn't work because that would imply a tempor temporal reversal of the spooky principle. Because thirty well, years it, ago, not only it does might, it have to be global, but it can be superluminal as well. Well, yeah, but then it has to be going back in time back because, in time. Yeah. oh, I, yeah, I guess. But I mean, because if my grandma ate oatmeal 30 years ago, that's still 30 years after Hiroshima. I was just trying to put it closer. I was trying <laughs> to get it there. You had said your but great it, grandma ate oatmeal 100 years ago. Well, it, I mean, it being when you're talking about a global variable, you can't talk about the time of the variable. Because it's actually spread over the whole universe, and time is. I'm. Local, I'm just. I'm. I'm gonna call time up. Is a local principle. I'm gonna call up a Hawking. Hawking's mm -hmm. the big dude in physics right now, right? Yeah, astronomy, anyway. Yeah, well, he astrophysics. does astrophysics. Astrophysics. Okay, Brian, who's Brian who's? Green. Yeah, Brian yeah, he's Green. Good. He's yeah, good. Brian Green. Thank. You. I'm gonna call him up as mm -hmm. soon as we're done and tell him the answer is oatmeal. Because if there's anything I that knew we it. that we <laughs> have learned from today's podcast, in which we've gone from Monty Hall to quantum physics is that the answer is oatmeal. And you can reach us at combinationsandpermutations at gmail.com and you can check out the blog that gets put together with links to various things that we talk about on the show. And I guarantee he's going to send you to links of fantastic recipes this week at http colon slash slash combinationsandpermutations.blogspot.com. And that is it for this week. I hope everybody has an awesome awesome week and specifically awesome day in which you listen to our sultry voices goodbye well that's it for another episode of combinations and permutations if you want to get a hold of us please email us at combinations and permutations at gmail.com also check out our blog at combinations and this episode has been licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Share-Alike license. All the music that you've heard on this podcast is from SP12. If you like what you hear, go check them out at opsound.org. Thank you for listening.